Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So I legitly have like two fact things that I'm going to be bringing up. And Devin, I'm going to be relaying to you the okay. majority because you've read the book. <laughs> yeah, buddy. Oh, you, I'm you, on board. Read the, you read the book? Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. And I'm, oh, yeah, I'm in it. I've now consumed all of Dune except for the board game and a few video games. Ooh. I'm starting to read it. I'm a little bit further than I was when Devin and I had our initial. <laughs> Wait, I mean, that was summer, man. That was August. Are you telling yeah, me? It, I'm it not, takes me a while. You're telling me I'm not the expert on some lore for something we're talking about on the show? <laughs> hey, man, this I got gonna, you. I almost you got all, blame of the, David Lynch. all the little names, too. This is going to be a weird one. Let's talk about movies. This is Kenny from my brain. If you want to talk movies, well, guess what? We on the same thing. You gotta watch, 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 watch this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome. You have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. Each week, we like to take turns making each other watch movies one of us has only has just watched for the first time. This week, we're going to be talking about Ryan's pick, uh, 2021's Dune, starring Timothy Chalamet, uh, Zendaya, and Oscar Isaac, among others. Um, but first, we like to talk. We like to start each episode talking about talking about things that we watched in pop culture over the last week, um, in a segment we call "We Watched This." Uh, this week, Devin and I had the opportunity opportunity Oppor- to that was see, a strong word to um go see the latest sony marvel film madam web devin without spoilers what were your thoughts on madam web alan all right so it it was it was a watch there were some very cool things some very cool things but there were parts of it that were so distractingly bad that it actually not only kind of completely took me out of the movie every time that thing would have happened, but like I can't stop thinking about the bad things over the good things. So ultimately, I didn't enjoy, I didn't like this movie. It was fine. I'm not mad that I saw it. I don't like this movie. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't as bad as I expected it to be, but my expectations were so low from what the internet was saying. There are things that I like about this movie. I think the spider women work great. I think mm-hmm. th- it, they'd be fun to see together in a film with their powers. That is not this movie. Um, <laughs> I think there are some weird choices that are made with this movie. Um, I had, I showed my wife a video of a list of 10 things that happen in this movie, but one of them is fake. She's listening, like, riveted with, like, which one's the fake one at the very end. It says, oh, nope, you got it. They're, they all happened. And she's like, no, what? So. We have to understand that, like, the list, too, isn't just, like, Madam Webb beats up a bad guy. The list is, like, her mom is almost saved by Brazilian Spider-Man or Argentinian Spider-Man. Peruvian Spider-People. Peruvian Spider-Man. Sorry, wrong country. Yeah. And then, like, 
yeah, it, just the, I, I can't say anything else without spoiling the movie, but yeah. like some of the things on the list are bananas and all of them happen. Yeah. And like, I get that like we can do the same thing to Dune, right? Like you do the same thing to any movie and be like, oh, well, the octopus man was killed by a black hole that he created in the middle of New York City. And you go, wow, that sounds so dumb if you're being reductive. But like some of this stuff was questionable. Yeah. Um, especially when like the, the big thing for me off of that list was because it's, because it's a Marvel Spider-Man universe, Spider-Man, uh, adjacent movie. The fact that Peter Parker is born, but not named was a weird choice for me. Yeah. The only time they went to go say his name, a balloon popped so loud you couldn't hear it. Yeah. And like, I guess that would have been clever, but I don't know. So Ryan, I have have a question for you. Okay. Go for it. Is it? Is it now so bad it's good? The internet has now turned on this movie, or at least some things that I've seen, and people are like, this is now going to be the new The Room. Don't let the internet fool you like they did for for Morbius when they got Morbius re-released into the theaters, and then no one went to see it, and they said, oh, wait, we were busy that weekend. Can we do it next weekend? To Sony. Uh, Don't let the internet fool you. It's It's not that. Okay. Um. Ryan, you or have we sold you on Madam Web yet? No. Okay. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I didn't even know about this movie until like three weeks ago. Okay. When I saw like a promotional thing of like th- the actress um, doing the like uh, they were doing behind the scenes of like her doing the upside down like yeah from the ceiling thing, and I'm just. Meh. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah, it's it is what it is. If you want to hear more of our thoughts on Madam Web, you can check out uh, my other podcast that I do over on Victims and Villains with Josh Howell uh, called Brilliant but Lazy, where Devin joined us. So we had a we had a three person panel talking about Madam Web for about an hour, among other things. We talked about the. Fantastic Four news, the X-Men trailer, um, the Deadpool and Wolverine trailer, a lot of very Marvel centric, brilliant, but lazy, um, which was a lot, was a lot of fun. You can check that out. Um, I'll put it in the description on the podcast and then, yeah, just look up brilliant, but lazy for victim on victims and, or check out victims and villains on social media and you should be able to find it there. Um, Let's, Ryan, you didn't have anything for we watch this, correct? Nope. Okay. Ryan, did you um, at least see the X-Men 97 trailer? Uh, I saw the trailer. Yeah. I am not as excited about it as you guys are. Tell me about it. Give me your thoughts, feelings, emotions. I want them. It, it, you're going to be disappointed. Um, X the the X Men cartoon was just one of the other cartoons I watched when I got home from uh, school or woke up in the morning. It wasn't anything that I really looked forward to. I was never like, "Ooh, the X Men shows on." That wasn't me. It was just, "Oh, cool, it's the X Men." And then later on, it was like, "Oh, cool, it's this show that's on." <laughs> like it was just you- part. Of, it was just in the background. It was just there. The same caliber as maybe a, a Pepper Ann or a Recess or a Codename Kids Next Door. I never watched Code Kids, uh, 
uh, I never watched any of those shows you mentioned. Um, because wow. when you were getting ready for school, watching those shows, uh-huh. I was getting ready for either high school or middle school watching MTV in the morning. If I had a younger so sibling, I would have watched those shows. <laughs> you missed out on the joy that was Fillmore. Oh, what a deep ball. Yeah. Bobby's World? Did you do Bobby's I, World? Bobby's World? Ooh, that's 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 a deep pull. Yeah, yeah. It had like Howie, like real life Howie Mandel for, in front of this cartoon. For oh Howie, oh yeah, no, I saw that. I yeah. made time to watch that because of who it was. But I watched yeah. like three episodes, and I was like, okay, it's the same thing every episode. I'm good. <laughs> um, Even then, you were a discerning critic. I love I, it. Yeah, well, because I had other stuff I wanted to watch. Uh, you know, like. Especially if, like, the X Games were on, or if, you know, like, I wanted to make it home for TRL every day, um, you know, from school, so. I've never had a sentence give me more Jenko jeans vibes than that, so thank you. Hey, (laughs) the New Year's party that was done in the TRL studios for the Mm -hmm. year 1999, I stayed up till midnight, and in, in, was it? In my room, because my parents wouldn't let me watch it in the main room with them, I stayed up till midnight specifically to watch Limp Biscuit do Tonight We're Gonna Party Like It's 1999 Prince cover at the stroke of midnight in 1999 in the TRL studios. That was me at the age of 14. Did they then follow it up with Willennium? I, uh, to be honest, I don't know because as soon as that was over, I turned off the TV and I think I went to bed. Went to bed. <laughs> because I wanted to Smith see album that cover. I've ever owned. I wanted Willanium. to. But that was the. Hang on. The Limp, Limp, Limp Biscuit album? Millennium? No, Millennium was a Will Smith album. You get it? Oh. His name Will and then Millennium. You, yeah, get, I, it? you get it? I never owned God, a Will Smith We were album. so clever in the 90s. What happened to us? Wild, Wild West. That's what happened. That's fair. Us. All right. Yeah. Good. Yeah, all right. Enough said. You um, got too jiggy with it and went to Miami. <laughs> That's most of that album we named collectively. It's I think if you throw in Men in Black album. theme song. <laughs> and that began the nightmare on my street. Oh, well done. Yeah. Well, that does oh, it for this, this week's We Watched It segment. Uh, now let's dive into uh, the main topic for today, Ryan's pick, uh, Dune part one, because part two is coming out, so we can call it part one now. Um, Ryan, uh, you go ahead and take it away. Yes. So, uh, Dune part one uh, came out like three years ago, 2021. Um, This was a movie that I had that I was looking forward to because I at that point had seen the 1984 Dune. Um, and I wanted to see a better version of that. Um, and this is a movie that I've seen multiple times since. Um, I enjoy the storyline. I had no idea what Dune was prior to watching the original movie and then Dune part one. Um, and it has opened me up to the fact that I am slowly but steadily working through the book. Um, I really enjoy it. I... It definitely goes side by side when it comes to my like likes for you know like science fiction, along with Star Trek and Star Wars and all the different subgenres that those things cover. Um, and I am Chris, uh, Kristen, and I are definitely going to be going 
are definitely going to be go seeing Dune Part 2 at some point when it's in theaters. I don't know when we're going to go, but it'll be at some point. So that's my background with it. Uh, I saw it at home first. I didn't see it in theaters. Okay, there we go. Now I'm fully covered. So, uh, Alan, you've seen this before, right? Yeah, I watched it opening weekend at home because this was long ago in 2021 when HBO Max released all the Warner Brothers movies right to the streaming platform. This is one of the few that I was like, okay, I'm going to black out the windows, close the door and crank up the sound system um, and watch the. I think it was like this and Suicide Squad that I did that for. Um, Yeah, I watched this at home opening weekend with no prior knowledge of Dune at all outside of Star Wars took a lot of influence from Dune, the books uh, with the sand and the sand uh, <laughs> in the desert. Uh, but now I didn't, I've, I've never seen the David Lynch Dune. Um, I've never read the books. I've only seen this movie twice. Okay. But there is a part of this movie that I have listened to repeat or I've consumed repeatedly. Kind of just spoiled what it was, but is it the spice? It better be the spice. The spice. No, it wasn't. The, the spice. spice. This past mellow. Yeah. I'm going to do that the whole podcast, by the way. You ready for that? Go for it. Good. Okay. And then, <laughs> for, and then Devin, uh, I'm surprised you haven't seen this yet. I'm really surprised you haven't seen this yet. All right. So I have such a weird... You all know me. We've done this podcast long enough, right? You know how I am with things. So you know that I was introduced to Dune or may have known that I was introduced to Dune as a concept and as a bit of a movie very, very young from my dad who absolutely thought this was brilliant, loved it, needed to show me it. I went and, and of course, watched the David Lynch one because it was always out then and went, what is this? I hate this. This is the worst (laughs) Star Wars. This is the dumbest thing and didn't pay attention to it, didn't watch it. As an adult, I hear that Dune the movie is coming out and went, ugh. (laughs) I'll read the book and read the book and went, oh, it's a hero's tale. Got it. Don't need this. And then I watched the David Lynch movie. And more importantly, Ryan and I had our conversation. And very slowly, I started to learn that this parfait was more than just whipped cream on top. There was a bit of strawberries just sprinkled in the bottom of it. So eventually, my opinion on what this thing is has been very slowly changing from, I hate this, I think Dune is stupid, to, all right, I get what they're going for. And it has since evolved even farther than that. There is more than just strawberries in this parfait. There's a whole layer of chocolate, guys. I'm so excited. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I wanted to get the topic of the first Dune out of the way. Um I watched, I put that on at the, uh, that's one of several movies that I put on as background noise when I'm cleaning. Simply because it's funny, there are things that are said that, that, you know, that make me laugh. And to see Captain Picard in Dune, especially rescuing a little French bulldog, makes me laugh. And it's really funny. And Alan's face is really confused right now. Yeah, so, now, I learned 
during the prep for this that David Lynch hates that movie. Not surprised. Because he didn't get final cut of it. And it he has said that it breaks his heart. It is the one movie that he just feels so disappointed about because he wasn't able to actually like do the, uh, to do the final cut on it. Um, so quick question, Alan. Yes. If they brought David Lynch back to do a modern version, do you think we'd be having this show right now? Oh, not with me. <laughs> Have we talked okay. about my disdain for David Lynch? I know uh, that it happens. I don't know why. I we haven't gotten into it yet. Okay. I, in summary, uh, I'll give the brief version. I have no problem with David Lynch, the man. Uh, I think he's funny. I like his weather reports because that's what he does now. Like every day, he does an LA weather report. Where he's just yelling oh. into his microphone. Um, which I, I'm fine with David Lynch as an artist. I I, I just don't like his films. There was a film of his that I had to do a report on in college, and every time I tried to watch the movie, I would I would just fall asleep. Like I could not get through it. Like I don't know what it was about it, but it bored me to tears, and I did not I could not finish the assignment. And from that point <laughs> on, I was like, David Lynch is not for me. I'll probably watch Twin Peaks at one point because I guess that's like the 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 best introduction to David Lynch and maybe that will change my mind on him. Thanks but, for not saying peak. Um, what? Thanks for not saying it was the peak of David Lynch. Oh, yeah. Thank you. I, and I'm disappointed <laughs> in myself. See what David Lynch does. He just brings out the worst in me. Wins it. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Um, right. So now we got that out of the way. I've always wanted to actually know why. And that, yeah, that's why I get it. Makes it makes sense. Okay. Um, so, Devin, you're the one that's read the books. I had mm-hmm. you watch the David Lynch one because we did like a like a side show or a show without Alan like two yeah. or three months ago um, on it. I want you to start. Just what do you want to talk about? Well, what do you want to bring okay, up so, first? So I want to know for you guys that like have read either a tiny bit of the book or that have read none of the book and only know <laughs> this movie. This series does one of the things that i really don't like in like early science fiction and early fantasy that they've i think since moved a little bit away from where it's they just start throwing a lot of proper nouns at you and oh boy does this book and this source material have a lot of proper nouns as a good example within the first 20 minutes of the movie paul atreides is taken by the benny Gesserits to do the gum jabbar to see if he's the kishwash haderach was that confusing at all for you guys? It, I know what you I know what you meant, but just hearing you say that all out loud, yeah, it was very confusing. It is, but like in in some ways, like this is the thing that that the David Lynch movie I think does poorly, that I think this movie does well, and that I think the book itself actually does pretty poorly too. Is they're just like here's a word, they'll get it, and. A lot of the times they don't. Like, did you guys ever struggle with some of the proper nouns in this? I, so for me, I know what they are. Like, I can't okay. say them. Like, you want me to talk about the Burt Backrack of it all? Sure, I will. <laughs> but, <laughs> like, I, I know there's the, the prophecy and there's, like, the, the soothsayers. 
and like he he's like the their um messiah but like i don't know what the words are but i know like okay he's the thing and they're the people and they gotta go do the, <laughs> they gotta go do the, 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 the thing yeah like it's Perfect. very i don't know if it's because alan and i come from a similar um uh faith background mm-hmm. in our upbringing that it is very easy to take a like fictional religion and just kind of like switch things out like okay take jesus out of the picture put paul atreides in take the take the 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 ben jesuit out and put like priests and nuns in like it's very you can very easily just use context clues about what they're talking about and just kind of like you know like just fit in your own knowledge in there to figure it out um Devin, I know you did not have that background, so I think maybe it might be a little little bit more difficult for you. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Or or it could almost be easier. Because it's not like that's... It's not a concept that's foreign to other properties. Like, Star Wars has the Jedi and the Sith Mm -hmm. and the Chosen One, but they're they're four-letter words and then the Chosen One. It's not that difficult. Like, you get... Sure, you can get into the... uh, guardians of the wills and it gets a little bit confusing but it's still like pretty straightforward with how he how lucas built that universe around these ideas and these concepts of um different sects of Mm -hmm. religions and ideals um that were built upon later on Mm -hmm. so I, if you guys don't mind, I want to start peeling back what I think are the layers of this movie because I, I also want to talk about performances in the people, but what interests me the most about Dune are the layers that happen on here. So layer number one is it's a hero's tale, right? It is Paul Atreides. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> literally leaving his place, his you know, his his literal planet of of oh, I forget where he's from. Origin. Whatever. Arrakis. What is it? No, Paul Atreides is not from Arrakis. No, he B. goes to Arrakis. B. He goes to Arrakis. Okay. Yeah. B. Where is he from? Whatever. He's from B.A. Barakas. I pitted a fool. <laughs> he literally leaves his home world, home behind. He is now on Arrakis. He has to become this hero that everybody knows that he's destined to be. How does this play as a hero's tale for you guys? Because I have to tell you, honestly, I find hero's tales and teen chosen one tales to be incredibly exhausting. And it's only when they start really messing with the formula like this, and we'll get to it when we get to the other layers, do I actually find it interesting. So what do you guys think of this as a hero's tale, first off? It's an interesting idea to look at the like look at this just this film as a hero's journey story because it's not the full story. It's part yeah. one. So I think it's definitely the great a great start to that journey where you have him leaving his home and starting off on this new adventure and be learning about like becoming part of the, these new people, like this new society, but it's not the complete journey. So I think it's the great first steps into that new world for him. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I don't know where it goes from here. So, yeah. Brian, what do you think about it as far as heroes? Um, it's different enough so that like 
I am never going to tell someone that likes the Hunger Games or any of the more modern dystopian like Hero's Journey teen focused character films like Maze Runner and stuff like that. I'm never going to tell anyone that they shouldn't like that stuff because it's bad. I just don't fo- I just don't find it very entertaining because it's just your basic hero's tale and there's mm-hmm. really no extra to it. Um, this there's enough to it and there's enough going on and there's enough lore for me to get kind of lost in so that it doesn't so that it doesn't bore me per se okay i i have that i have that exact reaction which actually brings us to layer number two and ryan you and i never got past layer number two in our last chat but layer number two is the very very harsh criticism of capitalism that this movie is so i actually had a really long conversation about this movie with one of my coworkers where they go, I have zero interest in seeing Dune. And I said, I actually like what it has to say about capitalism. And they go, the movie with big worms in it has anything to say about capitalism? And go, <laughs> oh, you sweet summer child. The whole reason that people write science Could, fiction and fantasy, especially yeah. in the 60s, is this. So I, I've never heard this take on it before. Can I, can I, can I take a guess at what, what the angle is here? Yeah, do it. Is the spice oil? I mean, yeah. Okay. Yeah, man. The spice is oil or any natural resource. Yeah. But, like, yeah. if you, like, track the plot of this movie of who has access to the spice, who's making money off of the spice, and what they're doing to the people that have the access to the spice, it plays out. At least you can kind of tell off screen before Paul and his family get to Arrakis. It basically plays out like Killers of a Flower Moon. This group that's had access to this valuable resource for a very long time is taken advantage of by this other group that comes in and goes, yeah, but we need that more than you. That group is purposely kept poor and purposely kept oppressed in order to keep the price of that natural resource low. And then another group comes in and goes, no, we're going to treat them fairly. And all of a sudden the emperor goes, you better not or we'll kill all of you. And guess what happens? Yeah. So that's layer two that I love about this movie. I mean, did that, did you get, like, did you, I mean, you, you basically nailed it with this, Alan. Did you, does that help you appreciate it more like it did me? Because this is what started me down the path of loving the movie. No, I think it does. It, it It's definitely something I was aware of. Like, the spice is a stand-in for, like, the oil type thing. But looking at it as a criticism of capitalism as a, as a whole, um yeah, it, it works for me. I will never forget the moment I brought this up to you, Devin. And I saw the look on your face. Like, go from being like, yeah, Dune's okay, I get it, it grandfathered in modern sci-fi, blah. And then I brought that up to you, and you were like, <gasps> What a like, Devin door answer. For you. <laughs> it was a real Devin answer. <laughs> so then, guys, I had this moment in, in this one as well. The same okay. moment where... There's a piece that I keep missing every time I interact with Dune that this time I caught. And it added another layer for me, which I absolutely love, because what it does is it perverts the entire part of the hero's journey. Okay. So what they say at the very beginning, the Bene Gesserits, the the soothsayers or whatever that are there, the Bene Gesserits say that they've laid a path down in Arrakis. And they keep saying that the Bene Gesserits play the long game. So what the Bene Gesserits did 
is on Arrakis, they were the ones that made the prophecy of Paul coming. They did that. Their religion, where Paul is the Lisan al-Gayib and is like their like main like hero, that's all fake. That's not a religion that they had. It's a religion that was placed there by the Bene Gesserits to help them play their long game. Like generations so, and generations. Like for and generations. generations and yeah. this is it coming to fruition. But this is a plan. This isn't an actual religion that they came about naturally. And this is what brings me to my favorite part of the Book of Eli. The only thing I liked about it is that their weapon of mass destruction in the Book of Eli was religion. And that's what this movie's showing too. How people can be manipulated through religion in order to help further whatever they have. And it like blew my mind when I caught it this time. And I like will ask Romana, I will not shut up about it. I just, you guys... I just, I just find this so funny because to me, I thought that was obvious the first yeah, time I saw the movie. Wasn't to Devin. <laughs> not to, certainly not through the David Lynch movie. That wasn't obvious at all. Well, not the David Lynch movie because there wasn't that conversation about how Paul's mother literally tells him, "Yeah, this is the Benny Generates at work." She, she points it out. <laughs> like, she that's literally points it out. Yeah. So the fact that it took you to this—I mean, well, hang on a second. This is the first time you saw it. Yeah. So, yeah, so never mind. I'm sorry. I'm acting I'm like not. you've seen this multiple times before. Yeah, I keep forgetting, I mean, I apologize. I I keep forgetting that this was Ryan's pick and not Devin's. Uh, <laughs> well, no, no, no. I'm just really passionate, you guys. It's because the reason why I'm kind of handing off to Devin at the moment is because you're the one that, with all the knowledge because you've read the book. Mm-hmm. You've seen uh, – uh, uh, I had you watch the, 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 the other movie. I'm slowly working through the book. So, mm-hmm. like – you know, I, I that's why I'm referring to you on it because I wanted to start where you wanted to start so we could have these conversations and eventually we'll get to the actors and like oh, the will. directors and the uh, well we have to because yeah because this amazing. is my last talk about the about the layers because this is my yeah. this is my third and final I'm gonna find more don't you worry I'm a good digging but Alan what did you think about that aspect of the movie the the religion yeah planting I mean I think it's. It's interesting. Like I, I knew there was like a plan in place, but I never really thought about it. Like it would have to go back generations and generations. Um, it's very, it's very interesting. Like I, I, I see it as a religion angle, but I also see it as like a conspiracy angle. Like it's, it's yeah. always been been a plot. So I, I could see why he has the reaction he has to it. Like when he finds out and he's just like moping the whole time. Um, yeah, because yeah, uh, in I'm not sure if I read this in the book or not, or like very early on, but it's like, and it's and it's not that they were placing this on Arrakis specifically for Paul. It was just for any male, any mm-hmm. man that were to show up with a Bennett Jesuit mom mm-hmm. to show up on Arrakis. So they knew it was going to happen. They just didn't know exactly when it was going to happen. And she kind of jumped the gun on that. <laughs> but, I mean, the Benny Jesuits could have also manipulated that to happen whenever they thought the time was ready. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just happened that Jessica's like, we're doing it now, guys. And they're like, all right, I guess so. <laughs> so that then, that inclusion of that line, specifically when the mom goes, that's the Benny Jesuits' work. And a couple of other things made me love this so much more because the, 
the filmmakers added a lot. Like, a lot to this. I mean, A, obviously compared to the David Lynch movie, but then even compared to the book, they took relationships farther than they were in the book. They explained things a little bit differently than they do in the book. And even the framing device, Ryan, if you remember in the David Lynch movie and even in the book, the person that's talking about it is a distant relative of Paul's. Like, yeah. the lady's in disembodied head that appears on the screen that just dumps exposition you for the first ten minutes of the David Lynch movie. Mm-hmm. That's now the Fremen talking about how they're oppressed. Yeah. And it's those things that make me feel like they loved this source material so much because all of the changes are so smart. And even me, who saw this part one and went, why are they splitting it into two parts? That's really stupid. Uh, It's going to be terribly paced and they're going to draw a lot out. I never felt like the pacing was bad at all in this. And every extension and every added scene felt so crucial to me. Did you guys have that? Or do you feel like this took a while? Like it was long. It. I was. I, I, I'm split on this because it. Going into it, I didn't know that it was part one. But when it first oh, wow. came out, it says Dune part one at the very beginning. Oh, so this isn't going to be a complete story. So then I was prepared. OK, so this is going to this is going to end on a cliffhanger. Um, Marty McFly is going to come running around the corner and say, Doc, I just got back from 1985. Um, <laughs> it's your kids. It's your kids, Marty. Um, it's so like, I think it, it was fairly well paced. I, the ending, it, it does kind of just end with them walking off into the sunset, but it's not, it's not like the happy kind of ending. Like they're, they're not riding on sandworms into the sunset and like um, a, a banjo is playing. It's like, okay, we're about to get started. Like this is just the beginning of everything. Like it, it's ominous enough that it's like, okay, I want more of this. Like it's, mm-hmm. and it, the the pacing worked for me throughout the whole thing because it, it, it there are the slow spots, but then it also it, then it picks up quickly. So, I think I think the pacing worked. Yeah, Ryan, did you? My thing with the pacing is I never noticed the pacing until I realized, crap, I forgot this was like an, how long this movie was and I have to stop watching it. I always <laughs> end up in that uh, I always end up in that situation. It's like 9 o'clock, 9.30. I'm like, oh, I'll watch Dune again. And it gets to be like 10.30, 11. I'm like, crap, I gotta go to bed. And I'm like, man, I forgot how long this movie is. <laughs> because just the, the pacing doesn't, to me, doesn't feel like it's going to be as long as it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it works for me. I don't, have, I don't have a problem with it. I think part of what helped the pacing a lot for me too was just how incredibly beautiful this movie is. Like, holy cow, guys. Like, the cinematography in this is amazing. I was mm-hmm. floored by this movie. I had, um, when, when Dune came out, when it originally came out, I didn't want to see it in the theater. And they like the advertisements for this movie was you gotta see this in the theater. You're gonna wanna watch this in the theater. And Cynical Devin at the time went, No, I don't wanna <laughs> go to the theater. You're just trying to get my theater money. I'll stay home and watch it on streaming, thank you very much. I regret not seeing this in theaters. I really do. Do you guys? Like will you now be seeing Dune Part Two in theaters because of this? Oh yeah. Well, I will be. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. I mean I, I know we are, so I'm debating going to see it in IMAX. 
Oh, that would be incredible. But I, I want to talk about a little bit about the cinematographer, the director of mm-hmm. photography for this, because I want to list off a few of the other films that he's done of note. Um, starting off with Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh. Uh, Zero Dark Thirty. Foxcatcher. Star or Rogue One, a Star Wars story. Uh, Vice, the Dick Cheney movie. Uh, he did three episodes of The Mandalorian, including the first one. The Batman. Hmm. And my favorite film from last year, The Creator. So if you like the look of this, you're going to love The Creator. Ugh, that's awesome. I got to watch that then. Yeah. Oh, and then Dune Part 2. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what a career, though. That's a really yeah. good career. Yeah. Yeah, and that's all from, like, the last 15 years. So Is he relatively okay. new? I mean, he's has a lot of music videos and stuff before that. He's His first credit goes all the way back to 2000. Smash Mouth. Say Smash Mouth. So. He was the he was the cinematographer on the All Star music video. Yes. What? What? I what don't know that that's true, but I want I want it. What a way to start. <laughs> Wait. To... Listen, if it's not if it's not true, we're just gonna say it enough that it makes it true. No, 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 no. I I love it because that means he took the meaning of that song to heart and just went for it all. Years stop coming and they don't stop coming. Well, I mean, not that part but you know <laughs> how did we get here we just look it happens all right we just, okay, just so enjoy i it. will get us back on the rails it's like a so so <laughs> there are amazing performances in this movie tons wait um, hold on i figured out yes. how we got there devin just spent the last 20 minutes talking about layers we had to make a shrek joke i did it's like onions <laughs> yeah okay continue okay. Um, so my favorite character is the Baron in this, the Baron in the David Lynch one is basically just a floating clown. That's all it is. Just a disgusting, repulsive floating clown. And they made the Baron terrifying in, uh, uh, in this version comparably to, the Baron in the first one, or compa- comparable, comparable, yeah. whatever, to uh, to that one. Uh, Stellan, stop. St- Stellan Sarsgaard. Sarsgaard. Yeah, I got the the last. It was the first name. I'm like, that's not Stalin, but that looks like Stalin. <laughs> Stellan. Stellan. Yeah, Stellan. <laughs> um, he's my favorite actor in this. Simply, be- even though the Baron's not in it. As much as the other, as much as the other characters, and believe me, I love almost everyone's performance in this. So I'm not like saying, "Oh, he was the only good one." Like he was just like my. F- he was the one that the, 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 that I enjoyed the most out of pretty much ninety percent of this cast that I fully enjoyed. Um, and I would have to say, second is. Uh, uh, the like computer person to uh, to Paul's father, uh, the Trades, um, Oscar Isaac, Duke, Duke Leto oh. Trades, the, the computer oh, yeah. person, the, the the dude with the little black mark on his lip and the eyes rolled back in the head. 
Oh, okay. Him. Um, like, those two are my favorite characters simply because of just where they are, the, 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 you know, things they go through. Like, you've got the Baron and him, you know, scheming and mm. the way that he says, you know, like, how he, 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 he promises the, like, head Dune nun not to hurt Paul, uh, not not to hurt Paul, but then when he's questioned on it, he's like, I'm not going to hurt him. The desert is, I didn't lie. <laughs> um, and then, and then the, the, the guy for the Duke, um, him like wanting to like quit his job after his son almost, you know, after the Duke's son almost got assassinated and the Duke's like, no, if you want to make this up to me, find the one who did it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Um, but anyway, so those were my two. Any performance stand out to you guys? I wouldn't say stand out, but it's obvious to me that Jason Momoa has one mode and one mode only. <laughs> like the fact that he doesn't show up riding a motorcycle in this, like, is is shocking. Um, motorcycle or sur- surfboard. Uh, I I I like it works though in this. Like I like um, mm-hmm. Jason Momoa's character, um, which it what's his name. Um, Duncan Idaho. Dun- Duncan Idaho. Uh, was such a weird name. It's but a weird name. I, I appreciate him. And I like Josh Brolin in this too. Um, he, uh, if you close your eyes, you just hear Thanos because it's the same yes. voice. But I, I like those characters in, in this because um, they're the only, really the only, like I can't really say Zendaya or anything because we haven't really seen much of her character yet. So, mm. But I like I like those two. Those two stood out for me. Okay. So, Ryan, we did our original one. You told me that they make the Duke creepy in this one, and I, yeah. I like I think I laughed at you. Like if we play it back, I was like, Yeah, sure they do. All right. You're not wrong. They make the Duke creepy in this one. Like they do a really good job. So I mean, for that reason, Stalin Skarsgård is like my favorite. But also, I just love Javier Bardem in this as Stilgar. I think he's so good. At what he does, I think Bautista is good in this too. Like Dave Bautista, as they a, do a really good job of making the Harkonnens look the same. Like they all mm-hmm. have this yeah. same like weird bald, pale head. Which is funny that, because like, is cool. our, because isn't in the book they're all redheads? Because that was oh. a thing in the David Lynch movie that like they were all described as having red hair. They might be. I, you know, I completely forget about that part, like them visually, because I've seen the David Lynch stuff before I read the book, so I just pasted on what the David Lynch stuff looked like into when I read the book. That probably didn't help things when you read the nope, book. Nope, certainly right. didn't. Certainly so, did not. While we're talking about the Baron, quick question: mm-hmm. Why does he float? Okay, so the Baron is extremely heavy. Yes. Um, in the book, it's described that every and i'm quoting the book every flap of skin has its own like anti-gravity hook that Mm -hmm. like lifts him and moves him um so it's supposed to be that he is a to go back to devin's anti-capitalism narrative he cats and he can't walk um so he floats so wally got it all right (laughs) yeah Yeah. but basically though really 
Yeah, so that's... There's that. But here's the thing. Like, in the David Lynch movie, and this is where, like... This is why I can put on Dune 84 for background. And this one I can't. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. the like normal speed that they filmed them at so it looks absolutely ridiculous it reminds me of willy wonka every time yeah pretty much like that's yeah. that's that's the feeling with the baron and that baron comes off as almost like like over the top comic joker to where mm -hmm. it's not scary it's just silly and that's the Baron in that. And in this, like, the one time they show him float is when he gets up over the table and floats over the Duke's body. And that's creepy. That was a very good payoff, because prior to that, they didn't really show him do any of that stuff. I love the most. This is something they added for this. It isn't in the book and isn't in the, um, isn't in the, the David Lynch version. Is how he escapes the poison from Leto Atreides. Yeah. Just by like a little bug just going all the way up into the corner of the room and just hugging the ceiling. What a good character moment because it shows you how much of just a little like scared shit he actually is. And that all of this is just because he's a little scared shit. I love it. I love it, guys. I. Uh, if some dude bit a capsule that had gas in it. Because everyone in that room was dead except for him. And that was a big conference room. That was a big oh, yeah. table. That's either you survive or you die. <laughs> I would have done the same. Let, okay. let the record I just wanna, state. Would okay. have done the same. I, okay, good. Good. I, I just want to get that out. Like, maybe if, like, he grabbed his... Um, oh, that guy that's a character actor in everything that was his like living computer um he was it, the one that was in uh the dark knight yeah. movie yeah him david Muschet Muschetten. yeah yeah so like oh yeah so like if the baron would have grabbed him and thrown him towards the duke and then flew off to the ceiling i wouldn't even be making i wouldn't even be talking about this right now because be like yeah no he, he was a scared little shit <laughs> well i think because the original in the source like in the in the book and everything he makes it into the hallway in time for the doors to close behind him having yeah. inhaled a bit of the poison but not a lot of it yeah but the fact that they're like no no he didn't make it out to the hallway in time he clung to the ceiling like this is <laughs> him, like a little cockroach yeah. up there <laughs> no, that part was funny yes no, because the movie does deal with like bug imagery a, a lot like oh yes in there um can we talk about my favorite part of this movie 
Yes. And my favorite and least favorite part of this movie. Uh, this movie ended a relationship. A long relationship between a filmmaker and a composer. I knew this, you were going to bring this up. This no, movie. Uh, when he was working on Tenet. Christopher Nolan lost Hans Zimmer to Dune. So Hans wow. Zimmer le- like wanted, loves Dune so much that he stepped away from his working relationship with, with Christopher Nolan. Like, I'm sure they're fine. I'm sure they'll work together again someday. But because um, uh, Nolan's working with Ludwig Johansson now, and mm-hmm. the scores have been great from him because he's one of the best one of the best new film composers out there, but Hans Zimmer just nails this movie uh, with the score. Like I like as much, I've only seen the movie twice, but the score for this is on Hans Zimmer's live album. Mm. The house of trade scene with the, the, with the bagpipes, best cinematic use of bagpipes in the history of cinema. Yes. Uh, And I remember watching this the first time and hearing those bagpipes and like, was not expecting that for a space desert movie. Let's go. Um, yeah. It's like, it's one of those scores that I want to see live. Like I want to, I want to go come to Europe and see Hans Zimmer perform this live with his orchestra band thing. Oh, that'd be incredible. Um, yeah. yeah. The core of backpipers uh, step out from behind the curtain. Do you act like they don't exist here? They exist here. They're everywhere. <laughs> oh. you know this this is this is a weird thought and not something that i say often on this show but i think wa- talking to you guys about this and having just watched this movie i might watch it again with a little bit more context yes before part two Good. yeah oh, it, one it, of us yeah it, it's it's just this movie there's so much to it that i enjoy um even like and it's the cinematography it's the music it's the sound design it's literally everything and a perfect example of this is when paul atreides is just in his room and the little hunter seeker pops out and the way paul deals with that with like standing still and the cinema and the cinematography of it, like floating through the air, like that entire scene, every aspect of it. Um, and then him like based, you know, I mean, does he really grab it out of thin air? No, he pretty much catches it when it goes into the door, but, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, he goes to, we froze. Oh no. Oh, there is. He goes to the meeting and then mm-hmm. Thanos is there and goes, the great Paul Atreides that, that, you know, that, that, you know, catches hunter seekers with his bare hand out of thin air. And everyone laughs about it, except for the director of security, the guy I mentioned yep. before, him and his two, uh, him and his two personnel are just sitting there looking ashamed. It's these little things, and they're and they're back in the corner. You don't really notice them unless you see their tanned uniforms compared to everyone else's gray. Um, and just every aspect of like those two scenes is a perfect example of why I can just watch this movie mm-hmm. as many times as I have. I think I've probably seen it seven or eight times already. The, I will say, the movie did one thing I didn't think this movie was ever going to do. 
it, it especially in the second part of it, they're going to very quickly start calling Paul, especially the Fremen, are going to start calling Paul Muad'Dib, which I thought was Muad'Dib. a cool-sounding yeah. name, but, yeah. you know, found out that it just means Desert Mouse. And then as soon as I found out Desert Mouse, Devin kicked in and went, what a stupid name. Why did he name himself Desert Mouse? How dumb. This movie made Desert Mouse cool. So thanks, movie. Yeah. I mean, there. I mean, there are <laughs> creatures on Earth like that mouse. Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to find a favorite uh, animal, Devin. All right. So I have a question for you guys. Yes. Uh, since I have not seen the original Dune and I have not read the books, would you recommend me going in blind to part two, or should I get the audiobook on Audible? And listen to it before part two. Even if you get the audiobook, <laughs> I don't think you're going to finish it in time <laughs> for part two. To be honest, I would just go into a blind. Okay. I would. Simply because of how good the part one is. And knowing the things that Devin was just talking about, the things that were changed that mm-hmm. make it work better for a film, I think it would be better to go in blind. Okay. My, my second part to this question, because Devin, I assume you agree because you were nodding along with Ryan. Yeah, I do. Okay. Uh, Devin, you said you, you've read all of the books, right? I read one of them and know the plot of the next one. Okay. Because <laughs> I'm looking at this on Audible, and this the, the first Dune that this film is based on is book 12. Oh, no. Okay. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Okay. Okay. Don't worry about it. Okay. This is book one. All right. Yes. Frank Herbert only wrote a few Dune books, right? Mm-hmm. Only a few. Yeah. His kids then went, let's milk this cash cow and made a million Dune books. If you're interested, only read the Frank Herbert stuff. Know that the other stuff exists. Don't worry about it. Okay. So that's what HB, that's what Warner Brothers is going to base all of the, uh, Spinoffs for Max on is all these spinoff books. I really hope they don't. I really hope they don't. Okay. So I have a question for you guys then. Because I... One of the websites that I follow just dropped a review of Dune 2. They gave it an 8 out of 10. Great. They then said in it, this is a great middle entry in the Dune saga. I thought they were just breaking this into two. Are so, is there... More than I have? heard somewhere along along the way, I heard somewhere along the way that this that there was going to be a part three. I don't know mm-hmm. where I heard it. I don't know where I read it. I don't know even how long ago that I came across that. I just this, it's this, in my head. This is where my expertise comes in. Let's um, go. So Denis Villeneuve has spoken about like if he does like. If Dune two, Part 2 is successful, he wants to adapt Dune Messiah into the third part of the trilogy and end it there. I love that. I love that. I love that. I love that. Yeah. Um, and that's... I, I'm assuming they're not going to call it Dune Messiah. I think they're just going to keep it Part 3, which works for mm-hmm. me. Um, but beyond that, I don't think they're going to... I don't think he's going to be involved with any other... 
uh, Dune projects in a directorial standpoint. He might produce some stuff, but and I know they're doing some spinoffs for like Max. Oh, I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what they're going to be exactly, but who knows? Maybe that. Maybe the Orthodox Catholic Bible. Maybe they'll just uh, shelve them and take the tax write off. So. Oh. Because the franchise itself, like, the books span, like, thousands of years. Yeah. Like, I think Messiah only takes place, like, a couple years after Dune 1 when Paul is Paul. And I like that a lot. So I'm, like, really excited to see Messiah turn into a movie because I think it wraps up a lot of what this movie, the the groundwork that this movie is laying even now. So I'm really excited and really hope 3 happens. Yeah. So, and just for base knowledge for everyone out there who like myself when i first started this like alan when when uh when it comes to his background knowledge and my background knowledge on this whole thing the human the humanoids in this do come from earth earth does exist in the dune universe Mm -hmm. all of these different sects of like humanoids in the dune universe are all are all descendants of us. Ah. So just just for basic background knowledge on the lore, from what I understand, that's how it is. So, so one day I too can have a desert worm planet. Cool. Well, I mean, <laughs> at what point does a worm stop being a worm and start becoming, I don't know, like a, a monster? Or, like, as an actual species name. <laughs> as an actual... <laughs> I'd say Because that's what these things are. Nah, these they're things just worms. Are... They're just big old worms. <sighs> they probably come out when it rains. Um, so, let's talk about Dune Part 2 for a second. Yeah. Uh, I have not seen a trailer for this, but I keep seeing the marketing, so I know who's, I know who's joining the cast. Mm-hmm. Um... Devin, do you know who's playing the Emperor in part two? No. It's not Skarsgård again? N- n- well, no, that's the Baron. That's the Baron. The Emperor. Oh, the, the Emperor. The Emperor. Yeah. Sorry. No, I have no idea. Do you want me to spoil it for you or do you want to be surprised? No, man, do it. Fire away. The Spice. Must what? Run. Yeah. What? Walk without <laughs> rhythm and you won't. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love that. Is, which is funny because he's in that uh, Fat Boy Slim video where they just quote Dune the whole time and he's just dancing around. Um, and now he's in Dune. It's oh, um, incredible. He's in it. Hey. Um, wait. Christopher. The Fat Boy Slim song is quoting Dune? Yeah. The um, I didn't Weapon know of Choice. Yeah. Walk without rhythm and you won't attract the worm. They're talking about sand walking. What? I thought that was Funk So Brother. What? No, that, that, that one doesn't quote. Am I crossing a song in yeah. a music video yeah. that don't exist? Yeah. Yeah. Same artist, same style, different songs. You can go with this or you can go with that. Um, <laughs> also joining the cast, uh, Austin Butler, Elvis himself, mm. and uh, Florence Pugh. Do you know who so. she plays? The princess. Oh boy. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah. That's very cool. I'm excited. I I want to see this in in theaters. I really do. I like. 
I'm mad I didn't see this first one in theaters. I really want to see the second one in theaters. Well, I remember because we, Devin, you and I saw Tenet together in theaters. We did. And they had a preview for Dune before it. And we were both like, oh, that looks cool. Hopefully theaters, yeah. are, o- hopefully theaters are open. By the- and I think we both left Tenet like, man, the sound sucked on that. Maybe we should hold off on Dune. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. It was exactly. I mean, it yeah. was, you know. First time back in COVID, we all wore masks and the sound was weird. And I was like, maybe theaters aren't what I remember they were. Yeah. They've gotten back, though. Like, theaters. They have. The, theaters, like. Uh, and I think that's mostly in part to the popcorn buckets. Are you, are you guys. <laughs> the, gonna... speakers, the speakers needed to knock some rust off. Yeah. Yeah. That's what that was. Are, are you guys going to buy the, the Dune 2 popcorn bucket? If it's available here, absolutely. There's no hesitation. At all. I know I said before I was going to, but I honestly don't know if I am or not. Okay. Oh, Ryan. Just think about it. those little bristly, like, plastic teeth as you, like, reach your hand in, just caressing see, your arm a little bit. See, oh. you're saying that because because that'll bother you. It won't bother me. But I'm just thinking about the space that I have, and it's just one more thing that I have to find a place for. See, I'm, yeah. I don't even think that it'll bother me. I actually, like, the more I describe it, I'm like, I'm going to actually be kind of nice. Just get, like, a little bit of a... A little bit of a gentle arm rub as I go to get my popcorn. I might not hate that. Okay. We're going to move on from this conversation. <laughs> uh, anything else I'm doing before we wrap this up? No, man, I'm good. <laughs> I never look at earthworms the same way again. Yeah. Better not. Yeah. Or Devin. <laughs> uh, I think that does it for our conversation on Dune. Um, next week, it is Devin's pick. Devin, what are you going to have Ryan and I watch? Alan knows this, but Ryan doesn't know this. Ryan, guess what I'm going to have you guys watch? What? <laughs> oh, boy. I am going to have you guys watch the 2010 Avatar Last Airbender movie by M. Night Shyamalan. See, this isn't... See, this isn't... This is... <laughs> This isn't even fair because the only movie that I have that would work for that to get back at you for this is Dragon yeah. Ball Evolution, and yeah, I maybe. wouldn't put my worst enemy through that. Well, here, here's well, the, here, here, here's the thing, though. Um, this is my fault for suggesting that Devin asked for tie-ins, and I was like, "Well, the new Avatar show comes out this week," and then of course he jumped right at that. Um, we. The, the new show comes out this week, so we can compare the two. Because I plan on oh, watching, I, I plan on watching the first, at least the first few episodes of the Last Airbender on Netflix. So we'll be able to compare the two at least. And, and sometimes you have to have a little bit of baloney to really appreciate the steak. Yeah. Um, and since I just watched Avatar: The Last Airbender for the first time a few months ago, I'm excited to see uh, how bad this movie actually is. So I can appreciate if, how bad the Netflix adaptation actually is. What if it's good? What if one of these two things are actually really good? One of them has a chance of being good. The other one, I have only been told bad things about. And I, have, I have way less faith in the, the M. Night Shyamalan version of Last Airbender than I did in Madam Web. Oh, and the fact that it's M. Night Shyamalan. Uh... Do you not like... Okay, so do you not like M. Night Shyamalan, Ryan? I like three of his movies. Everything okay. else is disappointing. Hey, let's save okay. that for next week. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, join us next week for Devin's pick. Uh, 
M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. Uh, you can tune in. Uh, uh, make sure to follow us on Instagram. Listen to our show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcast. You can watch us live next Wednesday talking about The Last Airbender at 6 p.m. Eastern Time on YouTube, Twitch, and um, while you're there, make sure to subscribe to both of those places, especially our YouTube channel, so you can go back and watch all of our older episodes. And then check out rumrunnerspodcastnetwork.com to check out our show and all the other great Rum Runners Podcast Network podcasts. Until next time, uh, for You Have to Watch This Podcast, I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. My cabbages! <laughs>